the biggest takeaway from this entire episode is no matter what stage your company is at, whether you're at zero MRR or whether you're at a million MRR, there are always going to be plateaus. Always. You have to figure out how to solve them. We just spent about 45 minutes laying out step-by-step exactly what you can do tactically. Hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of the 8-Figure Agency Show, where a successful entrepreneur and a soon-to-be-successful entrepreneur help you build an 8-Figure Agency by documenting our successes and our failures. Derek, I am super excited about today because I put together something. Personally, I've been getting stuck in my business, and I know you've been getting stuck at certain levels as well. So I went through and I went, I documented the eight places that I got stuck in my business, and I think after bouncing it off you, I think this is where a lot of agencies get stuck, and I want to work through these today. I don't know if we'll be able to get through all of them today, but I want to try to get through all of them. Also, we've been getting a ton of reviews on Spotify. And we've also been getting, we, we've been putting Easter eggs in the episode at the end of them. And I, I personally didn't think anybody would listen to the end of it. Lo and behold, people have been messaging us and finding those Easter eggs. So today we're going to drop one and we'll, we'll put it towards the end of the episode. So make sure you tune in for that. But I want to cover these topics today and I want to go over where I'm personally stuck right now. So I'll actually, you go first, Derek. Where, right now, where are you stuck in your agency? <sighs> Man, Gary, where do I start? It has been, you know, for context, right now it's August 29th. It's Monday, August 29th when we're filming this, for those of you listening. Um, it August and July have been crazy months. I don't know about for you, but for me, this is, you know, I'll be transparent. This is my first time kind of in the corporate world, so to speak, you know, dealing with companies and B2B and people. And I have learned for the first time in my life that for whatever reason, the middle of July to basically the end of August, I guess not until after Labor Day, everybody and their mother are taking vacations. Either they're they're away with their, their kids are out of school. Everybody's taking vacation. Yeah, I mean it's an obvious thing. And when I was in school, I used to do it all the time. But now when I'm doing business and trying to close sales, and people just <laughs> ghost you, I'm like, come back to work. But um, I learned that the hard way. So <laughs> apparently, everybody's taking vacations. So it has been a very hectic and fast month, couple months, but also really slow. Where I'm currently plateauing, Gary, is um, getting new business into the door. Right. So it's kind of been a, a slow ball that's kind of been happening. It started with what we spoke about, like on episode two or three about, you know, BDRs not being able to bring in meetings. And then that kind of compounded over itself uh, to the point where now, like there's maybe three or four strings I could pull on that. It's maybe like a 50, 50 of like, Hey, will this deal actually go through? Mm. Um, and I don't like those odds. I don't like 50, 50, right. I'm, I'm here to eliminate risk as much as I can. That's kind of where I'm stuck right now. Um, getting new sales into the door. Got it. Okay. So where I'm stuck right now is that we have multiple people who are managing departments who are able to hit their KPIs for those departments, right? So we have six different departments, we're adding a couple more, but we have directors that are managing those. They have KPIs that they need to hit and they're able to to do that. They have enough control over their department that they can get the output that they need. However, this is where it gets tricky. All of them can hit their KPIs and the company can still lose overall. And the reason for that is because we've learned to communicate vertically, but not horizontally yet. Mm-hmm. And so the, we're working on that right now. And what that what what that has to do with is this next level team. So we have managers and then we have directors, the directors operating and working together, which is like, oh, that should be easy. Well, when you're a remote company, it's harder. There's There's more nuances to it. And so... That's where we're stuck right now. But there's eight stages that that I have identified as where I got stuck. Now, maybe you say, well, I didn't get stuck at these, but this is where I got stuck. And then I'm also going to include what I did to overcome them. So I'm going to jump into this. So stage number one is getting your first sale. So this is at zero MRR. So I'm going to kind of benchmark these by where I was at MRR wise. So first sale is the hardest part. I think that is where so many people and Derek, you and I have been in these masterminds what do all these people do when they want to start an agency? They go, I got to build the website. I got to, yeah. I got to craft the email. I got to, I got to get the, you know, this person or hire this person. And it's so often people just don't go out and get the sale that they need to get. And really there was, there's only two things that I see as potentials of overcoming that. Now for you, Derek, how did you overcome getting your first sale? I'm very curious. Man. Oh man. Well, I mean, it, it, 
see, I'm looking at our notes, right? And what you have written there, it's so true, right? I mean, fear, <laughs> fear and persistence. I got my first sale basically pushing through no matter what. It was basically a situation where, like, I was smart enough to say, hey, I'm going to ask for this much, knowing I could only accept this much. And for those of you only listening, I'm going to ask for a really high price, anchor high, knowing I could accept way lower. So, like, there is no way, unless they have no money, that I'm not walking out <laughs> with a deal to get the ball rolling. That's the way I kind of overcame it. I basically went in there knowing that I can really undercut the market, start somewhere, anywhere, to really get the ball rolling. And so I was able to push through the fear, be persistent, get at a price where I was barely making any money, just enough to pay for services, right? Yeah. Um, to just get started and i think that's what most people have to do what do you think yeah so so fear and persistence so what i meant by that is so there's the fear of failure so you're like hey i don't want to push through this because i'm scared what are they going to say what if they reject me what if they ask me a question i don't know so you have all these questions right and that's one side of fear but there's also the other side of fear that i think you need to have when you first start and it's the fail fear of not being able to pay your bills not being able to afford things not being able to like afford basic services for your life. I think when you start your agency, that's really healthy to have that. When you have a safety net, if you're working another job or something like that, you can drag out this this passion project forever. So having that's what I did for myself. I didn't I don't know if I was smart enough to realize I was doing that to myself, but basically what I did is I just quit my job and I said, "Cool." Mm. I have enough money to make it through the rest of this month. <laughs> I need to get some sales. So that really, and I had a baby at the time too. So I, I and I had a, a rent and all that kind of stuff. So I had to make sales and that fear drove me. Now, I'm not recommending that you live your life that way because that will drive <laughs> you nuts and you oh, yeah. can't live like that forever. But when you're first starting, I think that is a really, really good way to get started and it's it's just necessary at the beginning because it's so hard. You know, I 100% agree with you, but I also want to go a little bit deeper into that, right? Because look, I will say I'm for I'm very grateful that I wasn't in that position when I started my agency. But where my head goes to, um, you know, and I'm very grateful that that's the case. And and the reason I'm even bringing this up is because I think that a lot of our listeners um, might have a similar thought to what I'm about to bring up. That fear, that motivation doesn't have to be from being able to pay your next bills. For me, I knew that it was this or I'm failing. And that fear of that failure was enough. I didn't have to be in the position where I couldn't afford my next meal, right? But knowing that, hey, like, it's this or nothing. Like, if I don't make this work, I didn't make it work. That was enough to push me forward. So that could be your catalyst uh, to, to motivate you, to push you through it. Gary, what do you think? Do you agree, disagree? Do you think yeah, it's a different level? I think I think there's. I think it's good for a while, right? So I think that, that mm. operating that way. So I th the way I think about it is you watch like, if you watch the Michael Jordan documentary, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. And he was always talking about how they thought this about me. So I had to go out there and destroy him. And they thought this about me. And sometimes they didn't think those things about him. He made it up in his own head. And yeah. he created these scenarios where everybody was his enemy. And he had to uh, to play with this chip on his shoulder. And it motivated him almost to a degree that nobody ever else has been motivated to, to perform at a level that nobody else has ever performed at before. I feel like we have to do that at the beginning because you are really just making up something that is not real. There is no business yet. There is no company. There is no revenue. There is no team. And to force something like that into existence, you either have to be you you have to be really driven. Like you and you have to create that. You have to create that atmosphere of I'm driven by this and I'm I can't fail. That's not an option or I'm scared of failing or whatever. Now, the reason I say it's not healthy to do that over long periods of time is you, you meet people in their in their life that like the Michael Jordan example, they play with a chip on their shoulder and they it's not a winning formula for life, right? To do that mm -hmm. forever, to every time you have to get motivated, you have to get a chip on your shoulder for anything. I don't think that's a winning formula. It's high Absolutely. stress. I, yeah. it, it doesn't create for a good working environment. There's all these negatives that come along with it, but I do think that it's really helpful when you get started. Oh, 100%. And I will say, I see people, right? And, and you know, I'm crazy. So where my head goes is like, what about the people who, who are on Michael Jordan's chip on their shoulder level, but who never became Michael Jordan? Yes. Right? You have to look at those people. So I think that what really separates the Michael Jordans of the world and the people that 
play with a chip on their shoulder but don't become Michael Jordan is that they let that chip on their shoulder overcome their entire life. Exactly like what you're saying, Gary. But the Michael Jordans realize that's only their fuel and motivation. And it's kind of like a car running out of gas. You could turn that off. You could unplug it. You can unplug the battery knowing that it has to be done in moderation. Uh, It's a very interesting concept. Honestly, it's one that really fascinates me, like how people, especially uber successful people, they can, they have this kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it, like this chip on their shoulder is a way to put it, but it's some, it's like a, like a fuel tank where they can fill it up when yep. needed when they're starting a new project or something's going wrong or, or they have to solve something. Some people, it's like sitting in a corner and thinking, I don't know, it's crazy, but if they're you, able to solve you, problems on a big level. Yeah, if you watch Patrick David, I love, he's a great entrepreneur. Yes, if yes. you watch him, he's motivated by negativity. He says mm-hmm. all the time, this is how I motivate myself every year. I write down every person that's ever said that I wouldn't make it and people <laughs> that said it that way. And I do that every year. Dude's super successful. Like oh, yeah. soup, way more successful than me, but like by multiples of hundreds, right? And he's still ne- he's still motivated by the negative, which blows me away. Yeah, it's and I'm crazy. Like, Man, you don't have like, but that's what gets him up, right? That's what gets him up. So some people I think are just wired that way. Some people build it in as a habit; it becomes useful to them, and that's fine if they want to do that. For me, I have a hard time doing that now. Like I don't. I'm not driven by that as much anymore, but that's at the beginning. And then persistence. So you you need to have that fear on both sides. And then you need to have persistence. Persistence just means you're going to keep going. That means if you have to do 100 calls, you're going to do 100 calls. If you need to do 200, 200, 500, 500. It, does, it literally doesn't matter. I'm going to go until somebody says yes. If you have those things, then you will get to past that first level. That's the first place everybody gets stuck. And I think that if you can push past this one, the sky's the limit on everything else. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Okay. So let's go to number two. So threshold number one, first sale, zero MRR. It's just, that's, that's just getting started. After that, it's delivering product or service. And I put this one at about 10,000 MRR. And so what I had to figure out was like, what am I actually selling? And so I'm selling email marketing and I had like a software that I use. And then I had to figure out how each business was going to consume that product because that helped me sell it. And so mm-hmm. at first I didn't have any idea how it helped their business, right? I had to figure that out. But as I got better and better and better at, at understanding their businesses, and I'll just give an example. I worked with a restaurant and was one of my first customers. And I said, okay, I'm going to collect, what's your busiest time? They said the weekend. I'm going to collect all your emails on the weekend. Then I'm going to email them on Monday and I'm going to get those people to come back Monday through Thursday for a lunch special that we're going to give them buy one, get one half off or something like that. And, and that worked really well. Like it drove them into their business and it was only $200 a month to sign up with me. So it was like, Hey, would you, you, I can make your slowest day, your busiest day. I eventually learned that pitch and I learned my product and I learned how to really sell that. And that's how we, I, we got to about $10,000 a month. How about, how about you? Where, where are you at in that, in that diagram? Yeah. Um, well, we kind of went, we got past this mark, um, probably, man, um, March, maybe. And it's August right now. So, I mean, like as I'm reading this notes, like this is exactly, this is so true. It's just like to the T, even the numbers are so accurate. And it's actually funny because it, this is when you kind of helped us narrow our story. Like, you know, we tell stories like we're storytellers we're not video editors like how to not be a commodity. This is exactly around the same time that that happened. And I think that, you know, where, where, overcoming this hurdle where this when you realize that you're plateauing here it becomes a thing where you're worried about servicing the current clients you have and i've seen this in the mastermind many many times right where people get a few clients they're making six seven eight nine ten k a month maybe 11 12 and now they're like okay do i stop reaching out to new prospects because i'm worried that i'm going to lose the current ones i went through this too it's yeah. a it's a really it's a thing but you have to realize that and this is at least for me how, how i kind of overcame this i said look i need to at this point figure out who I need to find, what people can I put in positions that can fulfill the service better than I ever could, right? Which is when I was able to find my best video editors to date, edit the content, or at least in my case, or whatever your service might be, to fulfill the actual work yeah. on a level where it's amazing. Well, even before, that, but even before that, Derek, so let's go back a little bit because you have to understand your product before you can even hire those mm, people. Yes, like how do course. you hire a good video editor if you don't even know if video editing is the full thing that you're gonna do? Of course. Right. So it's like delivering product or service, but you have to understand. So I put two things here. You have to have curiosity and you have to have devotion. And let me explain these. So curiosity is this 
cool, I'm selling you something, Derek. So I want, and I want you to pay me money every month for it. And then I'm following back up with you, asking you, hey, Derek, did this work? And you said, no, it doesn't work. Well, I have an option Mm -hmm. now. I can kind of hide and be like, I don't want to, I'll just avoid them and hopefully they keep paying me. Or I can go, (laughs) Derek, why isn't this working for your business? And -hmm. I can be curious. And if you, if I don't take the time to go learn why this isn't working for you, I won't get better. That's what I've learned. Mm. I cannot get better because I need the information that you have in your head as a client to help me get better. And then just devotion to your craft. Like for me, I just want to be really good at what I do. So I have, that's the logical next step is to talk to you. And if you say, oh, it's your friend, like for us, it was, um, people wouldn't collect their emails. They just wouldn't. So I had to learn how to motivate their team. If I wanted to be successful, Derek, I had to learn how to motivate their team on collecting emails. Mm. So I'd get a gift card and I'd be like, all right, the boss said you guys can take a day off and I'm going to give you a gift card <laughs> to whoever collects the most, to whoever collects the most uh, emails this week or this month or whatever. And we'd have a contest. But if I would have left it on the business owner to do that, I wouldn't be here today. Mm, that's huge. You're basically, and you know, you and I talked about this in a previous episode, but this is kind of similar to like an R&D situation. You're basically finding the loopholes in which your services, where the holes in your services are, possibly not even on your end. Like this is going yes. really deep, really narrow. Like where could this go wrong on the client side where you're still going to get the ax? That's huge. A lot of people don't even think about that. Well, and it, and it repeats, right? So if you don't mm. solve this and you just keep growing, you're going to notice this problem comes up again later but it comes up at a much bigger level and it becomes much more painful. So this Mm. early on stage is just you learning like basic business lingo, basic, like what's our, someone's going to be like, well, what's the ROI? And the first time you hear that question, you're like, let (laughs) let me go Google that. (laughs) Right. And, and, and what's the LTV of this? And what is, what's the click through rate? And what's the SERP rate? And like you get all these terminologies that you need to have some kind of answer, at least know the definition of it. Oh, yeah. and, you, and you don't even you don't even know how your product relates to that. And so early on, I had to learn all of those business terms. I had to really nail down my pro. And again, I didn't nail down perfectly because it morphed. It ended up be, it was email at this point. Ended up becoming dental marketing. And I'm going to show you how that morph happened. And it's going to happen to your business too, Derek. I know we've talked about this. I, I it's see, happening now. Yeah, I see it's what's, happening now. Yeah, I see what's happening to your business, and I know yeah. that it's going to be totally different soon or in the, you know, in the near future. But, but early on, you have to get your product nailed down. You have to just just have to understand it because early on, you're just like, yes, I'll take anybody, anybody who wants to market, you want my help. I'll help you. Now you need to start nailing it. So nailing it down. So first sale, that's the zero MRR stage state of tier or plateau number two that you're going to get stuck at is delivering that service, actually making sure that people are successful with it at some level, and that's about $10,000 MRR. And then the next one, all the way up, now this is a big jump, to $50,000. And then I think this is right where you're at right now, Derek. And the plateau here is managing multiple people and projects. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I would say, you know, I think I'm honestly in a combination of two and three. Yeah. Um, sort of with a mix of like a mix of like where is the next sale coming from, which is not a good problem to have, right? But it's a problem that we know what it is, so we have to figure out the solution to it. Um, let's dive into this. I mean, how do you propose to overcome this plateau? Well, let's let's talk about why going back to number two. So if you're in between number two and number three, so if you say, hey, I'm an agency, and this is where you're at, Derek, somewhere between thirty and forty thousand dollars, right? Somewhere in there, a month of recurring revenue. What what you're dealing with is you're still trying to nail down your product. Right. So you're refining it. You're trying to make it better. That means you have to communicate more, be more curious, ask more questions. But at the same time, you're now have a little bit of money to hire people, not a ton, but you have some and you're managing multiple people and projects. So your, your ADHD is going off. You're constantly coming up with new ideas. You're trying to implement those ideas. I put here how I overcame it. It's not the right answer. I don't think, but this is just what I, how I did it is just straight up grinding. Like it was, Work, 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 all the time. And and I was learning the whole time, but it was all this stuff that I didn't know about. I was trying to master my craft at the same time of trying to learn how to manage people, 
at the same time trying to figure out how do we manage all these different products and services and all these different things. And at the, and at the same time, I still didn't have our product all the way nailed down. Instead of narrowing my product, I actually was expanding it and making it more complex. This is scary accurate. <laughs> this is scary accurate. Like, I'm just gonna I'm gonna shut up the rest of this episode and I'm gonna just listen because this is exactly what's happening. I mean, like word for word, exactly what's happening. I mean, I'm trying to narrow down the product, right? You know, I'm trying to manage we're a team of eight now, just hired a project manager, you know, six editors, you know, most of them full time. I think actually every single one of them are now officially full time with us, which is awesome. Uh, the, yeah, I'm it's painful. speechless. But it's painful though, because you're you're now trying to master multiple that's why I put grinding here, because yep. you're trying to learn multiple disciplines at the same time. And yep. it feels like it feels almost impossible, right? Like how am I ever yep. gonna get through this? Okay. Yep. So that's that's plateau number three. Okay. So you and and I will say this that it does get easier, but it gets a little bit harder before it gets easier. Okay. So hold on. Before we go to number four, if uh-huh. I may, mm-hmm. tactically speaking, so we explained plateau number one, the way yep. you get through, you got to get your first sale. How do you get your first sale? You got to push through the fear. Use the fear to motivate you. Don't let it consume you, but let the fear motivate you and be persistent with it and be consistent with it. That's a slight difference, but persistent and consistent are the keys to yep. getting your first sale. Number two, you know, you're getting to between, you know, 2000 to 10,000 MRR, delivering the product or service. At this point, you got some sales. You can kind of know who you're serving, kind of, sort of, and you got to figure out exactly what you're going to do to scale and grow your business. What's that product? What's that one unique selling proposition, right? How do you figure this out? You're curious, you're motivated, and you have devotion to your product, to your clients, to your team, and you're trying to grow and figure things out. Now, now we got to number three, right? But how do we push past this wall? You're between like 20, 50K, kind of where I'm at, and uh, so you're managing multiple people, multiple projects. What do you do? It's tricky because you don't have money, right? So you're like, I've already used all my money to hire the people that I need to hire. So that's why I put grind here because you, what you're going to do to solve it and i don't know if there's like another answer to this exactly is you're going to just sell more you're going to yep. create new products and you're yep. going to add, that's just going to make it more confusing though but you it's almost like you have to push through that um and, and it's going to make sense in a minute when i go to these next levels of why yep. i'm saying that okay because and, yep. and here's the thing i could remove the mrr to this right and just say here's the tier three and yeah, here's what you do. You just hire a so hire a, a director of operations and hire a, you know, but it's but I know you you don't have the money to hire that right now, right? Yep. That's why I'm attaching yep. the MRR to it. So, okay. So now the next and and it's also you're learning. You may not recognize that you're learning, but you're actually learning right now and it's really important that you're learning the client, you're learning your product and service, and you're learning how to manage people as well. And it's almost like you have to go through this to be able to grow your business because you have to become the leader that you need to be in the future before you even get there. And, it, and if oh, you yeah. don't, it's like being an athlete. If I want to win at a high level, I have to go through painful stuff. I have to lose. I have to train really hard. I have to push my po- body to the brink of like collapsing and, and not being able to perform anymore to be able to be great. That's almost like that stage number three. Or do you really want to be an yeah. entrepreneur at this next level? And most people, the answer is going to be no. It's too stressful. Yeah. It's too much yeah. fire. And and so, okay, so so you so you grind through that, right? And so you're just gonna dump more gas on the fire. You're gonna hire. You're gonna uh, try to get more sales. You're gonna say, oh, let's do this product. Let's do that product. It's gonna make everything really confusing, and it's gonna be really hard. But then you're gonna hit the next <laughs> bandwidth, which is plateau number four. You're at 100 MRR a month or or below, and you're gonna hit a operational bandwidth and a profit bandwidth now. Okay, so now here's where this is what I did to fix this. At this point, I realized, and I actually, my business partner at the time, he wasn't my business partner, but he was working in the company. He was like, Gary, I can't keep making websites for all these different companies from a marketing perspective because they're so different. We have to relearn and reinvent the wheel every single time. We Hmm. need to niche down. And I was like, 100% agree. And I knew I was going to niche down to dental because I already had those clients. Hmm. So we had to cut the company in half to niche down and say, we're only going to service these people. I found my who. And here's why it goes back to solving your problem. At 50,000, you're probably not gonna niche down. Yeah. It's too painful. Like you would you would, you would, would go so far backwards. At 100,000, you can do it. Or somewhere in that ballpark, right? And that's why I'm saying, you just have to get a little bit more sales, get some more people in your pipeline, understand your avatar, 
And then you're going to niche down again and say, and it might be niching down on either who you serve or, or what, or what, what yeah. you do. Yep. So, so I put both of those on, on there. It's the who and the what, what are you actually serving and narrowing that down? So we narrowed down on the who, but I, we didn't narrow down on the what we still had a ton of, uh, our product was still very wide, but it was for mm. one specific kind of person. So it made it manageable for our team. At this time, we probably had a team of like 10, 11, something like that, right? And so that was the $100,000 MRR marker. So any any thoughts on that so far? Yeah, I mean, listen, a lot. I'm, besides repeating myself that this is scary accurate, uh, my mind is basically blown that you can boil business down into a playbook like this, right? I, I've always been so curious about how that's even possible. But in this situation, the way you wrote this out, when you get to 100000 right? you're niching down, you're getting product focused, you've pushed through that grinding phase, you kind of now have the skill sets that like, hey, I know how to manage multiple people, multiple teams, and now it's kind of just like drag and drop, just do more of what you were already doing, yes. like hire more people, build upon yes. those skills, and continue going. And I sense a slinky coming soon. Yeah, which yeah, yeah. Sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's always a slinky, right? Because then everything starts over, and but it gets more complex. So what I mean by more complex is when you first start your business, you're one person. So you're just arguing with yourself all the time, right? Like, no, we should do this. No, we do that. But then you hire two people or one person. Now there's two people. So it's just back and forth. Hey, should we do this? Yes. No, maybe so. Right. Then you hire three and then it gets a little more complex. There's, there's three points of contact now. Right. But when you get to four, you have, now there's six points of contact. When you add in five and six, have you ever seen that diagram where it's just like all the dots yep. start to connect and it, it's, it gets exponentially harder. And that same thing with team members and clients, it doesn't just get easier. It actually gets more confusing and it gets harder. Oh, yeah. And so that's why niching down and saying, this is what we do uh, in what we offer. And then niching down in who you're serving makes everything so much easier. And so oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just do have a question, you know, to tactically help people that are listening. So say somebody is closer to that number four stage, they're at like 90 to 120 mm -hmm. MRR, mm -hmm. right? You said something very specific. You said, you know, niche down and then you in your case had to kind of cut your business in half. I believe that's how you phrased it. Yeah. Does somebody in that position actually have to do that? Like, I'll be honest, if I was at 100 and I said, oh, half my clients aren't what I want, I need to cut out 50, I would not do that. I would just not make more clients that match, that don't match what I'm looking to do. Is that a bad idea? Do you have to take that haircut? it's really hard to do it otherwise because you have to service all those, that other half. It doesn't have to be half. Maybe it's 30%, maybe it's 20%, whatever it is. If you're, if your service, if, so I'll just use me as an example. We had dentists, we had car washes, we had chiropractors, we had all this huge mix of, mix of business. And so I had to cut loose those other ones because we were servicing those. So they were taking operational bandwidth from the company. Hmm. And if I wanted to create a consistent system that actually worked over and over and over again for dentists, I had to focus just on dentists. Hmm. So okay. I literally split the company, hundred percent. That yeah. makes sense. Wow. Now, okay. I, yeah, there's a long story behind that, but yeah, we literally split the company. But we got all that money came back instantly. Like as soon as we niched down and said, "This is what we're doing," the business flowed. Every time I've niched down and got more specific, either on who we serve or how we serve them my business has always grown always every time okay so now we're on plateau number five so let me just work these really quickly so you got first sale 100 uh, zero mrr and you just got to get that first sale we talked about that then you're just figuring out how to deliver your product that's going to be up to ten thousand dollars you have no idea what you're doing at this point you're making it up and you're you're delivering a, a product to somebody and you're just learning that next is you're learning how to manage multiple people and projects this is where you get up to 50 a thousand MRR. So that's a whole skill set in itself. Then you're going to get stuck at an operational bandwidth problem. You're not going to be able to service everybody. The people are, everybody on your team's confused because every project's unique, everything's custom, and you're struggling with profit because you can't bring on new clients because there's no room to put them and you can't keep hiring people. So you have yep. to niche down and get really specific on who and what you're serving. And then plateau number five is where you learn to really manage your team. This is, I put this all the way up to $250,000, okay? So this this is huge. So you can, the reason, so here's the funny part about this. Everybody's like, I want the best team members. I wanna work with the best people. Are you a manager that the best people wanna work for? 
right? Like, yeah. do you have the chops to manage somebody who is really, really, really good? At mm. at stage number one, the answer is no. So at, at stage number one, when I had zero MRR for my first sale, my skill set, I couldn't even manage myself. So of course I'm not ready to manage other people, right? Yep. When I started delivering a product or service at $10,000 MRR, I'm not, I'm barely managing myself. I'm not ready to bring other people in just a little bit, right? Like maybe a contractor who, who's super disciplined at stage three. That's where I'm learning how to manage people and I'm failing. I'm doing it incorrectly. I'm learning. I'm going out. I'm, 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 I'm getting better at it. Right. A hundred thousand is now I'm going back and I'm learning that product again, but now I'm actually learning how to manage a team, manage expectations, make sure that people enjoy working at this company and the caliber of team member that we have at this point goes through the roof. Not because all of a sudden I just waved a magic wand, but because now I'm actually learning how to manage the people and be the leader that people actually work for. And so I put here the answer at this stage to get from that hundred thousand to 200,000 quarter million dollar range uh, plateau. This is a culture tier. This is where you're building your culture and your internal team. And, and here's where it gets really tricky, Derek. When you have five team members, of course you can impact culture. You are the culture. You're meeting with of those course. people every day. And you're, you yep. can say, oh, we don't have culture, but everybody loves working here. It's because you're there. You're providing the energy. But yep. when you're at a quarter million and you got 20 people, you can't touch everybody every day. You'd be, yep. even if you met with them all every day for 30 minutes, like it's not going to be enough to maintain culture. So, this, yep. so let's define culture. Culture is why are you doing what you're doing as a company? Why are you doing it? Well, because I want to get rich. Well, no one cares about that. No one wants to work for you now. You just lost your whole team. <laughs> well, uh, I, I want to build the biggest and the best marketing company in the whole world. That used to be my why. To be the best marketing company in the whole world. Well, who who? how do I measure that? How do I know when I arrive at that goal? How do I know that I'm achieving that? How do I know, does anybody else know I'm competing against them? No, the answer is <laughs> no, right? So, okay, so that's not it. And then I realized, okay, our, our why is we're grow. I like growing. I like to keep growing. I'm gonna keep growing whether my company grows or not. I'm gonna keep learning, I'm gonna keep growing. And guess what? For our clients, we wanna help them grow too. But then I realized if I don't help my team grow, my clients, I, can't, I can only help this many dentists. But if I help my team, I can help this many dentists. And so the, I realized right away, if I don't learn how to build a culture where people enjoy showing up to work, I'm done. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be a plat, able to plateau above this. This is why most marketing companies are below this mark. They never figure it out. Everything's selfish. Everything's about you. Everything's about what you're going to get out of it and what you're, how you look, how you're perceived. And you really haven't put your team first. Like you haven't yet. So how do you fix that? So you got to figure out why. And I know you guys have a really good why, Derek. And then you got to figure out what your core values are. And that is the baseline of how you start treating each other in your company. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the only thing I was going to add to that um, is, is the following. I don't remember the episode number. So Kyle, please put it right here, yeah. <laughs> right here. Thanks, we Kyle. did a whole episode on this, an entire episode all about culture and you know how to hire the right team members and put the right cultures in place. Gary and, and I, we do a deep dive, mostly Gary explaining it to me and how I could put it in my business, but uh, deep dive into exactly how to build the right culture. Like exactly like how do you create core values? How do you build a company? Why? We actually walked through it step by step. He helped me lay it out. Within a week, I had my core values, my company. Why? If you watch that episode, you're going to be able to do the same thing. But no, I mean, it, it's super, super true. I will will ask you this question though, yeah. right? Um, we're throwing these numbers out there, right? Zero, 10,000, 50,000, 100,000, 250,000. And we're breaking down these plateaus, but what would you consider it to be? I mean, is it a plateau? Is it a roadblock? You have to be making sales to get here. So no matter what, you have to sell, 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 sell. And so cash flow is the life of any business. You yeah, always up, have to be selling. Up to this point, I was the main salesperson still. That's where I was That's where I was going to. Yeah, exactly. I was the main. So I was actually just going to touch on that and it popped in my head. Same same question. So I am... I was the main account manager right up until like 200,000, 250,000. And I was the main salesperson still. Yep. That makes total sense. And I look, there's nothing wrong with it. It, it no. has to happen. It's yeah. natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually yeah. you had to. So, but here's what I would do. I built the company and that's what I'm going to touch on next incorrectly 
to allow me to manage that much money, right? So to be mm. able to sell and manage that many accounts, I had to have like infrastructure around me, but it was all around me and yep. it wasn't around my team, right? Yep. So so then I realized, oh, stink, I got to go through and rebuild all of this because <laughs> it's built for me, not for a team, right? Yep. And so we we struck out a lot. We went, how are we going to do this? Are we going to have like a project manager manage the account? Are we going to have account managers? We don't want people who are too salesy. Like we went through all of that, right? Um, and so, but that that's that all comes down to your team, like really taking the focus off of you and putting it on, how do I set these other people up for success? That's when I say culture, that's what I'm talking about is that you get out of this mindset of like, what is best for me and what is best for what I want to what is best for my team and how do I help support my team and how do I help them win? So when I used to want a dopamine hit, this is a really good subject. I would just go out and make a sale. Boom. Let's go. Or when, it, when, when I wanted a dopamine hit or it was something that gave me a big dopamine hit was account wanted to leave. I'd go save it. No, 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 no. Let me do this. Boom. Gary saved the day again, but that's not scalable. It's not. Right, you can get it. You can make good money. You could you could forex your business even where you're at, Derek, for with 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 you being at the center of it. But if you really want to build something and you really want to do it and and be special and do it at the highest level possible, you can't be that person, and you have to switch that dopamine hit. So now my dopamine hit is when my salesperson now makes sales. That's my dopamine hit. Mm. I'm like I'm. I just messaged her yesterday. I'm super proud of you. I, I, it blows my mind that you're able to do this and that we have a team that can support this. And I'm just super happy to be working with somebody like you. Like, like that's my dopamine hit now. Not me that's making, amazing. not me making the sale. Right. And, and same thing with our client, uh, director of client success. She, she, and this is going to go into our next plateau is she lowered our, she figured out how to lower our churn rate and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to go to the next plateau. Do you have any questions on plateau number five? No, I think, I think I got it. Okay. So plateau number five is churn in sales. This is $350,000 of MRR. So this one's going to go back to people, software, and product and service improvements. So let's work through those, okay? So what's churn? Churn is losing accounts. So at $250,000, we didn't lose a lot of accounts because I was saving them, right? Mm. But I also wasn't, the product wasn't as good as it could be because... I was going account to account to account, start putting out fires, right? So that's not a great business model and it's also not sustainable or, or scalable. So the first thing that you're gonna wanna do at this level is you're gonna have to invest in people to actually learn those skills. Hey, you need to be an account manager now and I'm gonna help you. And you have to be okay with them losing some accounts. They're, it's gonna happen. That was really hard for me, really, really hard. I still yep. struggle with it. Yep. And And then you need software to help. This is where my business partner, Ryan, he's been the most helpful is like, he's like, Gary, start, let's stop trying to solve this with manpower. Let's solve it with software. And let's use this software to manage people. We use 15.5 to manage our culture. We use ClickUp to manage all of our products, our projects. We use, um, you know, Google Calendar to be able to work within the team. We use Slack, right? We didn't used to use Slack. We used to do everything in email. It's horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bad. So, but, yeah. but that seems like a little thing. And I know you're sitting there going, duh, use Slack over Gmail, but some people aren't at that level yet. I did the same thing. No, no, I swear. I actually had a client come to me. Uh, I, this is a true story. It was the Monday morning and a client said, Hey Derek, I've been using email for a while now, but it's a little clunky. Do you happen to use Slack? <laughs> and I like hit myself on the head. I was like, Oh, that's actually so smart. So I was like, yeah, we've actually been implementing this already. We've been rolling out to some clients. Let's do it. And so next thing I know I was using Slack, but uh, if you're not using it already, Slack or discord, highly recommend. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. hundred percent. So, so you, but there's tons of stuff like that, right? There's so many things that we do that are wasted motion, wasted energy, but you, here's the problem. Someone has to slow down yep. and say, how can we do this better? And then research yep. it and then take the softwares, compare them, and then implement them. That takes work. Hard. It's hard. A lot of work. Yeah, it's a, a lot, lot of work. And someone has to have the bandwidth to be able to do that. And if you don't have the bandwidth, then who does? And remember, where was I at at 250000 I'm running sale to sale to sale, save the account, save the account, save the account, sale, 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 save the account, right? So that, that next plateau is that 350. So it's people and software. And then from there, 
Now you start dialing in your product and service again. And this time, instead of just saying, how do we make this better? Now you're starting to have departments form. So you have a salesperson now, or you have a onboarding specialist now, and you have a, and you have a deliverable person and you have an account management and you have a retention person, right? And you, you have these different departments that are delivering things for you. And so now you can start going through and you look at the weakest link first. And you've heard me use this example before, Derek, this is yep. the way that you have, to, I, I feel that you have to look at business this way. When, or when you have, you look, think of it not as a ball or this round thing, this living thing. Think of it like an assembly line and you have to go where, where, where your weakest link is. And your first, your first station in the assembly line is what? It's marketing. How yep. many leads are we getting? And then it's sales. How many sales are we closing? And then you go just work through. How would a client go through your business on an assembly line? And that, and you can only be as good as your weakest link. That, that statement's never been more true than in business. Because if, and then I'll give you an example. If marketing can give 10 leads a month, but sales can only sell three a month, then you will never close more than three sales a month. doesn't matter what marketing can do, produce 20, 30, 40. So where should our energy focus on? Producing sales. more producing more marketing or sales? Yeah, it's sales, right? And then the next thing is onboarding. So if onboarding can only do one and market and, and, and sales can do three and, and then uh, 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 marketing can do 10, well, you need to get, just go focus on onboarding, get them up to at least three. Yep. Then go back to uh, sales, get them up to five. Then go back to onboarding, get them up to five. Then go back to, right? And just keep improving and trying to open that bandwidth as much as possible. But who cares about retention? Retention doesn't matter. You can't even get people into your business. Yep. And you have to be able to measure that all the way through. Okay, so that that was three. And you you even deal with that right now, right? But Everybody Anima, does, of course. Yeah. So that's 350. Okay, any questions? How am I doing? No, you're doing awesome. I will say the only thing I will add to, to this whole situation is, uh, especially when it comes to this assembly line, the, the whole weakest link situation, it's so true. I'm fired up just thinking about it. Honestly, I had a little mini dopamine rush right there because oftentimes, especially as an entrepreneur, as a founder, as somebody leading a team of people, working through building, trying to build something real, you often get lost in it all, doing exactly what you were describing, doing everything. The slinky and the assembly line and the weakest link really can help because if you look at the big picture and not getting lost in the software or getting lost in this or this, you realize, okay, marketing, sales, onboarding, retention. Where is the weakest link? Oh, I can't, like you said, onboarding can only bring one people, sales is closing three and leads are coming in, marketing's bringing in 10. Got to focus attention on onboarding. And then all of a sudden, there's three sales being closed, three people being onboarded, but we're only retaining two people. Wait a minute. There's a retention problem. It helps you kind of zoom into the business rather than zoom out and really narrow down that problem. So it's, I think it's a super valuable thing you said. And hey, definitely getting clipped. I can already smell that already. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's go to plateau number seven. So now yes. you're at management. So now you're at $500,000 MRR so, or somewhere between three fifty and five hundred. dollars and you start needing to have managers that are managing full departments because you can't have everything flowing back up to you, right? And now the reason that it takes more cash to have this is that the manager doesn't actually do the work. They manage the people that do the work. So there's no, you don't get any increased bandwidth right away by hiring this person and they cost mm -hmm. more money. Oh yeah. So if the person was $5,000 to do the thing, then you're gonna need to hire somebody at 7,000 or 8,000 to manage multiple of those people to give you a better output at that. So here's where you get through this is, is recruitment and alignment. You recruitment becomes the hardest thing in your business at this point. I really struggled with this. We couldn't hire people fast enough and we couldn't hire people good enough to do the job because we didn't know how to recruit because we never had that problem before. And so it wasn't a product problem anymore. It wasn't a, a, um, a, uh, a sales problem. It wasn't a churn problem. It was how do we get people to come in and manage these department? And then there's a second thing. So once you figure out the recruitment, then it's figuring out alignment. So you get these managers in, how do you get these people aligned and pulling in the same direction at the same time? Yeah. You know, actually, I, and you know, I think you know who I'm going to be referring to here, but Kurt, 
Kurt Schmidt. He's a friend of yours, and I was been introduced to him recently. He's a proponent of this. He believes in his company, Foundry, that you know you're always hiring, yeah. always. Him and I personally have we've had multiple conversations. Like we spoke for like two hours each time, all about this. He's like, yeah, I'm always hiring. And I remember in your episode, episode seven, Agency Growth Engine. Definitely go listen to it if you haven't already. But in it with Kurt, when you spoke to him, he gave you a story of somebody he was you know going to cocktail hour with, and you know doing all these things for over a year, kind of nurturing them into the relationship. Listen, recruitment becomes a really big part of it. And then like you're saying, alignment, you can recruit great talent, but if you're not aligned on core values, on mission, on your why and on your how, then it's all for nothing. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter that you're amazing at recruitment. And and recruitment is a whole, people just think, oh yeah, no, no, I'm just going to go out and recruit. Recruitment's just as hard as all the other stuff that we just went through because it's a whole different skill set. (sighs) Yeah. It's a whole different skill set and you have to go learn it. You either have to hire it out or you have to learn it and do it internally. Oh yeah. Okay. hundred percent. Okay. So that's plateau. And then now lastly, I put the next jump for us and we did made this jump really fast. So we went from 350 to a million dollars in around a year, somewhere right around there. Okay. So it was a big jump. Actually, we were like in between 250 and 350 and then we went to a million bucks. So it was kind of like a flash. I'm sure there's other steps there that other people have been through. I didn't go through them. I skipped them and, and went and just, it was insane. So it was high pressure. But what we did is we went back through, we started improving the product. We started having managing people who were managing departments. So I had to learn a new skill set. So before I was managing people who were managing people. Now I'm managing people who are managing people who are managing people, if that makes sense. Different, diff, totally different way of thinking, totally different level of support. I didn't know how to do that. That was something I had to learn how to do. Um, accurately predicting bandwidth and profit. This was huge. Like we couldn't, like we we're like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna triple next year, right? And it was like, no, actually, we're not. And that's if you really think you're tripling next year and you're not hiring, then you're gonna be in trouble, and p- clients are gonna be mad. And on the flip side, if you predict that you're gonna triple next year and you don't, and you hire, now you have to lay people off. So you have to you have to learn how to predict bandwidth and profit. Now again, I'm sure people did it before a million dollars. We didn't figure it out until a million dollars because we just got there really fast. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we needed to we started managing uh, managing directors and then predicting sales and churn and then retaining leaders. How do I retain these leaders? How do we make sure that they feel secure in their job? We're hitting goals sometimes, sometimes we're not. How do I hold them accountable? But then at the same time, feel empower them to continue to be successful. So that's where I'm at as a, as a business, the plateau that I'm at right now. And we've been spinning at this. We've been over a million dollars for almost the whole, I think the whole year, um, which is awesome. It's a new plateau for, for sure for me, but I thought I'd be already at $2 million. We're probably going to finish the year at like 1.4, 1.5. So I'm way behind where I thought we would be because I'm still learning these things. Hey Gary, it's still one point five million dollars a month, so that's a lot of money, right? But no, it's um, I think that for me, right, the biggest takeaway from this entire episode is no matter what stage your company is at, whether you're at zero MRR or whether you're at a million MRR, they are always going to be plateaus. Always, you have to figure out how to solve them. We just spent about forty-five minutes laying out step by step exactly what you can do tactically to solve what you typically would experience, the plateaus you would typically go through. We broke it down by revenue numbers. We broke it down by team size even. We broke it down step by step. But the bottom line is when you recognize that you're at a plateau, rather than cowering, you have to look into the problem, make sure that you're looking at the right thing. Because we actually spoke about this, I think, in in the last 8-Fig episode. You were explaining how, listen, you can diagnose a problem, but if you're giving solutions to something that's not the actual problem, that's that's a problem in and of itself. You have to know how to accurately diagnose. So when it comes to these plateaus, you have to accurately diagnose which plateau you're at and then follow the steps necessary to solve them. And 99% of the time, it's going to be that slinky. It's going to be the assembly line. If you notice, that's kind of the link between all of this. Ironically enough, that assembly line, that chain, and every single plateau here, that is the link. Yeah, basically, we went back to sales three times, right? So it was sales, and then it was like a couple steps, and then it was like, oh, we need more sales, and then a couple steps, and then we need more sales. 
always sales. I, I mean, it never fails. It's always sales. I mean, and listen, we'll do another. I, I think we definitely should, and we will one hundred percent do a whole other episode on just sales. Like, how do you get sales? What are some methods? Like, what are the best ways? How do you build all of that systems around you know referral partnerships, acquisition channels, all that good stuff? I think there's 30, 40 minutes we could talk about just that. But sales is is, is 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 the link to all of it. You know, if you're not having sales come through, but then you know, don't forget, there's marketing. If you don't have marketing, what is sales going to close? Yeah. Then <laughs> onboarding, it's that assembly line. It's so powerful. It's awesome, man. This is really good. If you guys found that helpful, which I really hope you did, 50 minutes of just pure value, you know, where you're plateauing in your business. And again, I do want to say, to reiterate this point, no matter what level you're at, there's plateaus everywhere. The level I'm at, the level Gary's at, and Gary's like 20x where I'm at right now. So there's always plateaus. Even people that are running half a billion dollar corporations, there's always plateaus at every level. And again, it's that assembly line. But with that said, guys, we really, really hope we provided you value here. We've been loving the feedback we've been getting. Send us messages on Instagram. We know you guys are busy. So listen, we are on TikTok, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts. We have exclusive content that goes up on Instagram, some graphics. We've also started posting longer form YouTube clips. If you're still listening up until this point, you're obviously liking what you're hearing. So definitely leave us a review if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And if you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, new episodes every Wednesday, 10 a.m. Eastern time. We love you guys. We're grateful to have you guys here. Gary, what's the Easter egg for this episode? We mentioned it in the beginning. What's the Easter egg? Oh, uh, message me your favorite number Mm. on Instagram. So message to me or Derek or the show. It doesn't matter. Just anywhere on Instagram. It has to be on Instagram though because otherwise I won't see it. I'll miss it. Yes. But message us your favorite number and we will do something for you. So Derek and I have been talking about possibly bringing some people on some of our podcasts. Now, not everybody fits as a guest in our podcast. So I'll just tell you that. But if there's an opportunity that we can either, I think what we can do, Derek, and, and this just popped in my head. So either one, if they fit into our podcast, we'll fit them in to get them on, whether it's a 10 minute spot or half a show or a whole show. And we have two marketing platforms that we can do that on. And, or we will shout you out. Like we'll shout you out at the mm-hmm. beginning of the next show. So I think that's what we should start doing is just put up all the people, put their Instagram and just put them up on, um, on at the beginning of uh, one of these shows. I like it. You know, honestly, that shout out idea is not a bad idea. I think we should do that regardless. Like yeah, at the, I think at the so end too. of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're definitely going to start do doing that. Well, if you want to. But do it at the beginning, beginning? so that people, yeah. Okay. So that way people are listening. Did you shout me out? Okay. This should all should be in the show too. Don't cut this out, Kyle, even if it says to. <laughs> even we have plateaus. Everybody has it. Brainstorming. Guys, thanks so much for being here. We love you. We'll see you next Wednesday. Everybody have a great week. Crush your business goals. Mm-hmm.